0: Hey everybody, this is Mark Levine and you're listening to episode number six of the NYC Real Estate Podcast. And today we're going to be talking about real estate taxes, tax certiorari proceedings, and everything else that we can think of with Benjamin Williams from Rosenberg and Estes PC. They're attorneys at law. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. So I'm glad to have you here because this is something that um, I don't know so much about because it, I feel like real estate taxes and valuations and then fighting and protesting them is kind of a science that I just don't understand right now. I know maybe there's just a formulaic aspect to it that I, I haven't put my finger on, but Perfect, perfect for you to be here to kind of walk us through the different um, areas of it and the different types of buildings. But why don't I give you the floor for a minute and you can talk about um, how you got into this um, aspect of the business and your experience. And I think that would be super helpful.
1: Sure. Uh, I've been doing this almost 20 years and I first started off as an engineer and I was doing appraisals and I was figuring out how much buildings were worth and machinery was worth all over the world. And then I I got into law school and did that. And voila, on the other side, I became a property tax attorney, a tax tertiary attorney. And now I'm doing it at Rosenberg and Estes, which is the largest New York real estate law firm with over 80 attorneys that just do real estate. And we're growing the property tax group tremendously um, from nothing to hundreds of buildings now and we're, ha- we're getting lots of success and uh, it, it's really great to be able to service their clients and to refer property tax clients to litigation and transactional attorneys right. and 421a and Icap tax benefit attorneys cuz uh,
0: you know we we do everything yeah right. so you really have everything in house it's a I don't like to use the term one you know stop shop but you are a one-stop shop We make it easy. Yeah. We make
1: it easy. When somebody says, uh, don't, don't you think I should get a property tax reduction because they changed these rent stabilization laws and I have all these rent stabilized tenants and now I can't get the IAIs I was hoping to get. Well, the experts on that are right down the floor for me. You yeah, know, They wrote the book on it. Yeah, And so, you know, I know better than anybody you know, what it's going to mean for the property tax cases and how it's going to suppress valuations going forward and how we can use that to try to get people bigger reductions in their assessments.
0: Are you pushing out any literature um, to your um, clients right now that puts out information for uh, general, you know, um Law changes and information, helpful information. And if you do, I think you could add me to that list and we can tell everybody by the end of this um, episode how they can get on the list also. And I think that that's, it's an ever changing landscape of laws. And we've covered a lot of the other basic laws with building structures. And this is the other side of it. This is the accounting side of it. And this is really as I said before, I mean, I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. And I, I just like you have been doing this for like 20 years and it's, it's an, it's, oh my God moment, you know, every year I feel like there's something new. So. Right. But yeah.
1: I, am if, if people want to send me an email to get on my email list, it's B Williams at Rosenberg Estes, that's dot com, And I, I post regularly on LinkedIn. Oh, so great. You, you can find me there. That, that's how I heard about your podcast. Great. On LinkedIn.
0: We love that. Great. I just posted uh, this morning about our last one. So hopefully we get some new ears. And for anybody listening, if you want to email the show, you could do so at nycrealestatepodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's nycrealestatepodcast at gmail.com. And if you have anybody that likes to hear about real estate in New York City, please share this podcast with them. I'd be really grateful. But why don't we get into... Um, classifications of buildings. So we manage co-op condo and also rental buildings. And I know that rental buildings are probably, um, one side of it for, uh, evaluating, appraising the value from the city's um, perspective. So do you want to walk us through how a rental building gets its valuation? And then we can go forward to the other side of things, the co-op and condo after that. Okay. So
1: New York city, there are four tax classes tax class one, two, three, four. One is for one to three family homes. It's, it's, pre, it's predominantly going to be townhouses in the city. And I think it's, there's more tax class, one parcels, uh, building parcels than any other parcel, mm-hmm. um, all the homes in Queens and all the homes in the Bronx and Brooklyn. Right. Um, and there we're not, not really going to touch, touch on that too much. I could say that the department of finance, Estimates how much they're worth, multiplies it by 6%. Okay. And they say that's the maximum assessment. But the assessment can't be more than 6% over last year's assessment. So if you were under-assessed in the prior year and they boosted 6%, you still might be under-assessed. Right. So a lot of those properties don't appeal their taxes. Only a few hundred appeal. And there's hundreds of thousands of them.
0: Now, if you appeal and you say, but I th- let's say you are under mm-hmm. and you think that you're not being fairly assessed and you don't have the knowledge to know that you're under-assessed, could the city then come back and say, whoa, you're under assessed. here's the new valuation, and then it goes higher? Is that something that you've seen?
1: No, the law doesn't permit them to raise the assessment more than 6% over okay. the prior year's assessment. So it can't be
0: overturned. The law is the law. Right. Okay.
1: Right. Unless you do work on your property. Okay. Then they can add extra value, right? To, to your assessment.
0: So no no backyard pools.
1: Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and I get a lot of calls. The shorthand formula is take your assessment and divide by six percent. Is okay. your home worth more than that? If your home's, if you think your home is worth more than that, then you don't have a case. And right. most homes are are gonna be in that in that situation. Okay. Right. So the other three classes, three tax class, three is for utility properties. We're not going to go into that tax class. Four is the catch all everything else category. That's not residential. So that's going to be office buildings, shopping centers, hotels, warehouses, industrial, right? Yeah. Uh, And then tax class two is apartment buildings with four or more units because three, two and one units were tax class one. one, Right. So if you have two or more units, and it's primarily residential as measured by gross floor area. You could have two stores and two apartments, but as long as the residential space is greater than the two stores, then it's gonna be tax class two. Uh, So the Department of Finance even has subclasses to make it more fun. (laughs) I'm already confused. Right, (laughs) and this this was created because a four unit building is really not that much different than a three unit building but their assessment methodology is totally different. So they created these subclasses to try to make it fairer for smaller apartment buildings. So buildings that are between four and 10 units are in the subclasses, Mm -hmm. 2A, 2B, and 2C. And they, like tax class one, also have limitations on the annual assessment increases. Whereas in tax class one, it was 6%. The Department of Finance can't raise the assessment more than 6% in any year in tax classes 2ABC, the limitation is 8%. The New York City Department of Finance can't raise the assessment more than 8% one year or 30% over five years. Works out to on average 6%. And those properties also tend to become underassessed over time. And a lot of them don't protest their assessments. Right. So then you have bigger buildings, 11 units and more. Uh, here, you do not have... Limitations on the assessment ing- increase. The Department of Finance could double the assessment, triple, whatever they want. If they thought that the assessment was too low in the past, they want to get it right this year. Mm-hmm. Every year is a brand new
0: assessment year. And so they're really making up for past mistakes every year. And they may view it that way too, where if they do an audit and they say, okay, we've been under assessing or undervaluing these properties, here's our chance to make it up and let them fight it. Right. Yeah. And,
1: and the department of finance doesn't think of it as how much are we going to raise their assessment? They think of it as a snapshot of time. How much is it worth this year? Mm-hmm. So we said it was worth a million last year. This year we say it's worth 1.5 million. They don't say, Oh, it was worth 1 million. And we think the value increased 500,000. Right. It's just a subtraction problem, not an addition problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, even though tax class two properties, the uncapped ones, do not have the assessment limitations, the eight percent, thirty percent, they do benefit from transitional assessments. So this is where, uh, when I talk with a lot of co-op board members, uh, this is where they start to uh, get a little confused. My so mind is melting right now. <laughs> <laughs> you can't right. tell my face, but
0: huh? <laughs> right. So well,
1: wait till I describe it. <laughs> So a transitional assessment means that if the department of finance did decide to double your assessment your taxes don't double in one year because that would be really painful yeah uh, they phase that doubling in over five years okay so that doubling takes 20 percent per year times five years so that after five years it's fully phased in so you get that benefit that you can plan for those increases right. So. You had a lot of buildings, especially a lot of co-ops and queens that were that had low assessments for a long time. And then all of a sudden, the Department of Finance raised them. Uh, they were probably under-assessed in the past. And when they raised the assessment, people started noticing it just a little bit. Yeah. You know, oh, how come our taxes went up 12% this year, whereas last year they went up only 2%? and then 12% the next year, and then it it keeps compounding upon itself until eventually somebody takes a look back and sees, well, five years ago, our taxes were half as much as they are now. Right. Right. Um, So the Department of Finance values tax class two properties and tax class four properties using what's called a direct capitalization of income approach. They estimate the net operating income and they divide by a cap rate. Okay, and that's how they come up with the market value, what they think it's worth, uh, and to get the assessment, they multiply the market value by forty-five percent. It's called a fractional assessment. So you might see four hundred fifty thousand is your actual assessed value on your on your city notice, but they're really saying that your market value was one million. Right, right. So tax class two properties, the city estimates the net operating income, and it's the Estimated gross income minus the estimated expenses. The Where do they get that information from? Well, for rental properties, rental properties are required to file what's called RPIE or the RPI, as we joke yeah. around, the RPIE form. It's due June 1st every year, and you're required to report your prior year's income and expenses. So this past June 1st, they filed 2018 income and expenses. They reported, right. on, reported them. Um, the Department of Finance's online form. The Department of Finance uses all of those submissions, tens of thousands of submissions, and they estimate what they think your property should be worth for the next year. Okay. So right now they're crunching the 2018 numbers to try to come up with the 2020 assessments.
0: And when will the 2020 assessments be released? January
1: 15th. Okay. Every year. That's when the, what's called the tentative assessment roll is published by the Department of Finance. So using somewhat old information. Uh, so in a market that is slowing down or even uh, declining, it may take a little while for the Department of Finance to catch up with that.
0: Right. And we're always six months delayed now, too. So if the, if the market softens up between June and January, we're stuck with what could have been a better market in June through the previous year. So we're, we're really capturing a, a point in time that may not exist at the time that the tentative role is put out. Right.
1: So we hope that the department of finance will recognize decreases in value by increasing the cap rate or just trending the income uh, at a lower level. If you reported a million in income in 2018 and they think the market softened, they right. don't have to use a million. If they think the million's too high or the market softened, they, they could use less than that. Yeah. They don't have, they can use whatever they want. Uh, if they think your numbers are too low, they don't have to use your numbers. They yeah. can use somebody, somebody else's numbers essentially. Right. Um, and then, when the Department of Finance calculates NOI and they subtract out expenses, those expenses do not include the three big ones interest, taxes, and depreciation. Mm-hmm. So it's just bare operating expenses, fuel, electricity, wages, RM, right. management fees, things like that. Um, and the Department of Finance has guidelines on what they think is reasonable. So if your expenses are unusually high, they'll adjust them. Mm-hmm co-ops and condos by state law have to be valued as if they were rental properties. That's a unique feature. And which
0: is something that a lot of board members, shareholders, unit owners may not understand. And I think that's part of the education process is letting them know that you're not being valued as like real property, like a house would be in the suburbs. Right. This is a unique situation.
1: Right. So there's, and this was created so that if you were looking at two identical buildings right next to each other, and one was a rental building and one was a co-op, you wouldn't know from standing on the street, right. looking at them, right. how it was organized, what kind of corporate structure yeah. it Maybe was. just by the landscaping. <laughs> <laughs> That's always like the easy way. Well, which one would be nicer?
0: <laughs> Hopefully the co-op. <laughs> okay. The one you manage. Yeah. Right.
1: Um, so the co-op, the Department of Finance is going to look at RPIEs of similar rental buildings nearby. And they'll make adjustments for location and age and size and what, and other factors. And they'll estimate what they think the apartments in your building would rent for. And then they value your building yeah. using that. Um, so there might be, the sponsor might have unsolds in there. So there might be actual rents that Correct. we could look at to see how reasonable the Department of Finance's estimates are. Yeah. There could be nearby buildings. Unfortunately,
0: you- though, when you have a sponsor, a lot of the time you don't have market rate. So that Correct. may not be a true representation of the area, but I understand what you're saying. Right. Where, where it is sponsor, you know, right. and it is market. Right. And
1: you might have an area, You might your co-op might be in a neighborhood where there are no rental buildings. Mm-hmm. And so then it's even harder to to estimate. And the Department of Finance takes the liberty and, and makes adjustments. Yeah, And, and, and uh, when we protest an assessment, we have our work cut out for us to try to, uh, prove that the assessment is too high by looking at other comps.
0: Right. Is that easier for you as an attorney when you're going into an appraised situation that doesn't have that rental market around that was more of a guess by the city? Are you able to really dive in and take information that they haven't looked at and say, but you know this was a guess on your part and here's what we believe it is? Do you find that it's more successful... To do it that way versus having a strong rental scenario in the neighborhood that they're basing that off of,
1: right? Um, it can it can go either way. Uh, if I can point out to the tax commission, which is the agency in the city mm-hmm. that you protest your assessment to, that the city's comps are not comparable at all. Uh, they're two miles away. They're 1980 buildings, but right. ours is a 1930 building. Yeah. Um, then that helps undermine the city's valuation but i still have to prove my case yeah right i can't just prove the city's assessment is wrong i, I have to actually prove what i think the assessment is yeah. or should be um so if i have really good comps then that w- that will help make my case right do you,
0: do you have an internal metric that is your success rate in bringing down a value or a, a tax assessment value
1: The tax commission receives 50,000 applications a year. So you had asked me before, when does the department of finance publish the assessments? It's January 15th. You have until March 1st to protest your assessment with the tax commission. If you think it's too high, um, it's a short amount of time. It's only six weeks, the tax commission can't raise your assessment. So there's that of the 50,000 applications, about 20 to 21% is the tax commission's typical. Uh, metric of who's getting a reduction so that that's a big deal that 80 percent are not even getting a reduction every year right and the the median reduction is about eight and a half percent
0: so when we have boards and they see that they've hired a tax or share attorney but at the same point we didn't get a a reduction and they're a little frustrated they feel like well we've initiated this we feel like we should be getting it Based on your metric of 80%, we shouldn't be so surprised that we're not getting a reduction. We should just kind of acknowledge that that's part of the process. Right. I mean, if 20% are getting reductions, then the
1: odds are you'll get one every five years. Correct. Right. Yeah. But there's properties that get them every single year, and there's properties that haven't gotten reductions in 15 or 20 years.
0: So that's just a, a law of averages, universal averages does the um the firm work on a contingency basis right yes so you're essentially and i always tell the boards this too when you do hire them the um the operating thought would be that you guys are working as hard as you can to get as large of a discount for us because the tax tertiary firm takes percentage off whatever savings there is so it's in your best interest and it's in our best interest for everybody to be aligned That you're gonna do the best job that you can to lower our value
1: right i could be passionate about your case i could love your case and think that i'm gonna get you a really big reduction yeah and i go into the tax commission and it's just not my day yeah the moons and the planets are not aligned and i'm not and i don't get a reduction and it's okay i can file a petition in court and i can try again the next year right and the boards have to be patient sometimes it takes time you know these are human beings that we're, that we're dealing with at, at the tax commission yeah. and they have their own ideas and and maybe they've seen different comps and, and yeah. maybe I could present my case better the next year uh, and the tax commission because they have two-year jurisdiction meaning they can make reductions for two years right uh, you can remedy that if you you get another bite at the apple because you you didn't get a reduction this year you can go in next year and try to get a two-year reduction
0: so right. what is the time frame that you are actually in court Protesting. What's the calendar months of right. the year?
1: So I said we file the the protests by March first. And if you're a rental building, you're filing your income and expense statement. If you're a co-op, you're filing information about the unsold rents and the expenses at the property. And then the tax commission takes all of the applications and they start scheduling hearings. The biggest properties in the city start in April, and then condos usually follow after that. Okay, uh, and but most most buildings are going to go between June and November. Okay. So it, for a, a tax assessment review system compared to the rest of the country, New York has a really great system. It's, it's pretty fast. Mm-hmm. Granted, you've already received your bill in June for payment due July 1st. So right. you're probably not getting a reduction in time to, for it to be reflected on your July 1st bill. Right. But if you get a settlement in September and it takes the city... A month or two to implement those benefits yeah. it's really not that bad you'll get a, a refund and the rest of the benefits will be re- reflected in your future bills and remember i mentioned transitional assessments if we mm-hmm. get a reduction of a hundred thousand you're only going to see a twenty thousand reduction per year for five years not a hundred thousand right. dollars right away right right so that's another question that,
0: that the boards have so yeah yeah
1: so you're half an accountant, half an engineer, <laughs>
0: and the other half—if there's three halves—you would be an attorney.
1: Right, appraiser, engineer, <laughs> attorney. Yeah, I, I'm an attorney. I, I wear multiple hats. Right? Do,
0: you, do you recommend this field for young people that are interested in numbers and law? That, is this something that you see <laughs> as an interesting field?
1: I love it. I love New York City real estate, and you yeah, I—that's how I found your podcast because I, I consume New York City real yeah. estate, you know, reading that's and great. listening and watching and i try to become a student and understand what's going on with the market so that i can do the best job possible for my clients
0: and it's so unique i mean this is the only place in the country that is new york city you know and to be able to do it here it's great i always think internally if, and I say it to some of my staff too, I'm like, if you could be living in, there's so many people right now living in like Iowa and Kansas and being like, ah, oh, I just wish that I could go to New York city and do this. Like maybe they're doing it in where they are. Maybe they're selling houses where they are. And they're like, you know, if you could do it here, you know, we can make it here. <laughs> <laughs> well, in New York property tax
1: is a big deal. Yeah. It makes up almost $30 billion worth of the budget. It's the single biggest stable source of revenue for the New York city. And it's going up four to 6% per year. Yeah. They're relying heavily on, on the property tax levy Mm -hmm. and if values start to slow down, then they're going to have to raise tax rates to make up for it. And they haven't had to do that lately. The city council sets the tax rates. They've actually been able to lower them a little bit because values have gone up faster. So if the value goes up 8% and they only need 5% more revenue than the prior year. Right. They can lower the taxes and th- and you can think you're getting a break. Right. right. Oh, great, they lowered the tax rate. Yeah. Right. But we, we may start to see some softening. We may see tax rates go up. I do not see property taxes in general going down, though.
0: So in condos, when we have real property versus what a co-op is, when you're just ownership in a corporation and with a stock certificate. But let's say we have, as an example, a condo with 100 units and they want to fight their individual taxes. What we've done in a lot of cases is as long as they are, uh, they have that provided for them in the in the offering plan and with the unit owner approval is to lump everybody together and to fight it uh, with the process as one kind of lump category, you know, as the building. Are you seeing that a lot? You have a lot better chance of getting a lower assessed value than going at it alone as a lone unit owner to be lumped in with everybody else? Condos are assessed just like co-ops and rentals.
1: So the department of finance is looking at the whole property. They're valuing the whole thing. And then they're divvying up the assessment using a percentage. Mm -hmm. So the tax commission, if you're going to protest your assessment, they prefer that you go all in with the boards. filing they don't prefer individual filings it makes it much more difficult and it clogs
0: up the system it really does right imagine a hundred times
1: and a lot of the people would be pro se so they don't have as much experience doing it right and they're they're pleading poverty uh and rather than looking at the facts yeah and the tax commission would prefer that you come in and bring your rental comps and present a coherent Mm -hmm. analysis so uh, they prefer that the boards file for all the apartments. Uh, However, we are handling some cases, sometimes the city's apportionment factor is off. You know, I have right now, I have a a unit that is a large apartment, but it makes up the common elements percentage is about 6%. Mm. But the Department of Finance allocates 25% of the assessment to that one unit. Wow. So if he went in with the board's package, they have to prove the overall building is over assessed what if yeah. overall the building is not over assessed? he's not going to be able to get a reduction but right. his individual unit is definitely over assessed the rent you know estimated rents could not support that assessment yeah so in those extreme cases and that and they're out there uh, then it makes sense to protest on your own
0: okay mm-hmm. well do we miss anything on the tax certiorari valuation assessment what am i missing
1: um You know, we we do 421A tax exemptions and ICAP, uh, which is a commercial abatement program, Mm -hmm. applications for people with commercial properties or building new residential buildings. So a lot of developers are looking at what can they do to keep their taxes low besides just protesting them because you could keep protesting them, but taxes are still creeping up. And at, at this point right now, for a rental building taxes are around 30% of gross income now depending where you are it could be as low as 20% or it could be as high as 35% or a little bit more but generally in the 30% ballpark mm-hmm. and that's not how a lot of people underwrote their deals a lot of right. people underwrote their deals when they were doing their cash flow modeling when they bought the building they were looking at 25% or right. maybe 20% as the percentage of gross income that was a real estate tax. Yeah. Right. So people need to pre- be prepared that the taxes are uh, going to be their single largest controllable quote unquote uh, expense that they have, even though it's one of the items they have little control over.
0: Do you guys also deal with J51? Is that J- something
1: you do internally or no? J51 program is not
0: very prevalent anymore. Yeah. Because, because of the assessed values are too low Right.
1: Right. You have to have an average assessment
0: below I don't know. I think it's now it's thirty two
1: thousand five hundred maybe. Or yeah. thirty six thousand. I mean, it's it's one of I those they two. change it every couple of years, yeah. but that's pretty low. Yeah. That's, that's a very low assessment. A building with a thirty thousand dollar assessment, average unit assessment is generally gonna have taxes of about four thousand per unit. Right. And that that's not that.
0: And just for people listening, if you don't know what a J51 is, it, it was a, a big program. Now it's a smaller program where if it enticed uh, building owners to do certain capital improvements and it would give you an abatement off of your taxes for a period of time. So if you did uh, major facade work or you did new elevators, a new boiler, you were able to apply with New York City. And they would say a portion of the money that you spent, and you had to give a lot of documentation to prove that you did it, to prove that it was paid off. You would get an abatement of X amount of dollars over a period of anywhere from 10 to 12 years. Um, and you would see that yearly. So, a lot of buildings that we have now actually are saying, you know, we're doing a new elevator, we're doing this. You know, there's a lot of new rules out there and laws that say you have to do certain things. So, we're being forced in, in a lot of buildings to do modernizations. But the, the laws have changed so much that those buildings aren't. Um, they're not applying because they're not allowed to do it anymore. They're not allowed to be in the program. And even if you have an existing J51 and you're priced out, you can't get another one. So you're, you're kind of out of luck.
1: What most of the co-ops should enjoy is the co-op condo abatement. Yes, Because that was just recently renewed. The governor signed that into law. And they extended it two more years. So we have the 1920 tax year, which is mm-hmm. the year we're in right now. And it will go through June 30th, 2021.
0: And that's super important, although we do, uh, that's a whole other episode, but we do give out the abatements by law. And then what most buildings will do is do an assessment to recapture that abatement because they can't afford to pay it out of pocket. So I guess you could look at, yes, it's a good thing, but usually it's taken right back. Right. Right.
1: Well, um, they use that for capital items, right? Or, right. Yeah. Rather than just giving them a regular assessment, it right. helps keep the overall cost down. Yeah. I mean, it's seventeen and a half percent. Yeah. It's very substantial. Yeah. Uh, and this year's renewal was one of the shorter renewals. Oh, really? Yeah. They, they used to renew it for or extend it for a, a few more than the two years. Uh, and what I heard is that there's a lot of pressure for New York City to change to rewrite its property tax system right. altogether. And so they didn't want to extend it too long because they may rewrite the rules altogether and that program yeah. may not be around anymore. Okay. Right? Well. I mean, that, that was created to kind of try to equalize co-op assessments with homes. I mean, if, right. if you have a $500,000 co-op and your building is next door to a, a $500,000 one family home, should you pay similar taxes? So the co-op abatement was created to try to equalize those taxes and and make them more similar. But as all things after decades of Mm. disparities, you know, the program never changed and, and the property taxes became more and more different and uh, it it no longer does what it was intended to do.
0: So I'm only, um, I'm still a little confused, but I'm less confused now Mm -hmm. (laughs) that we had the time to talk. Uh, I, it's something that we rely on the professionals like you for, and, you know, that's, that's great that you've built up your division at the company, um, in the way that you have. And, you know, we, every building needs you, you know, every building needs to at some point fight their assessed value to lower their taxes. Cause it's unsustainable to keep rising. Every, every cost is going up from insurance to just elevator meat all the little things and if you can if you can fight one of them which is what we're doing i think that goes a long way in the budgeting process and just making it so that people don't feel like they're being priced out of their out of their homes and need to move off island you know to right. somewhere else but it's very cool, but I appreciate you stopping by. So uh, you said that everybody could get in touch with you by email, and re- I'll read it out now. It's And I'll put it in the description of the episode also. It's bwilliams at rosenbergestis.com, and that's Benjamin Williams, Williams at rosenbergestis.com. And I'm Mark Levine. You can, again, email the show at nycrealestatepodcast at gmail.com. Again, Podcast at gmail.com. And we try to launch every Thursday. Once a week, we'll do our podcast. And this has been uh, really helpful for you to come in and describe the confusion that made up my mind. And I think I, you got me to a better place. So I appreciate that.
1: Well, thanks for having me. I hope you and your listeners you know, get a better feel for what's going on out there.
0: Yeah, thank you. And hopefully you'll come back again and we can talk about more stuff. Uh, if you want to check us out all over social media, if you want to visit my website for uh, my company, EBMG, you can go to EBMG.com. And also at EBMG LLC is our social media. So till next time.